like you turn around and like there's Julie Andrews or another day all of a sudden I looked up from my desk and Mary Tyler Moore was standing there she wanted to try on glasses and she had the biggest teeth I've ever seen. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Vintage Picking with Bad Madge. Uh, this is episode number three. I'm your host Tanya McInear of Bad Madge and Co. located in South Park, San Diego and today's podcast, we have a very special guest, my dear friend, Terrence Burns. Oh, that's the sweetest thing anyone's <laughs> ever said to me. Oh, thanks, Terrence. Uh, so before we get Terrence on here, we're going to talk some little bit of housekeeping. We will be doing our next podcast. It will be in June, of course. However, I am going to be going across the pond and I'm going to London and Amsterdam. Wow. So I'm going to vi be visiting one of my dear friends, uh, Dominic and Dennis. Dennis Notriff and I have known each other for 30 years. So we're going to call it the Star Booty Does London and Amsterdam Tour. So you can follow along on my trip to Europe. It'll be a holiday, but you know, I'll fit in some picking. Um, Dennis notified me that there's lots of charity shops that I can visit while I'm there. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, they live in a town called Broadstairs and it's right on the uh, English coast. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'll be out of the store for a couple weeks, beginning of June. And then we have a tiki party on Father's Day weekend. It's going to be on Saturday, June 17th at five o'clock. So get ready for summer and kick off summer with us for our annual tiki party again that's on saturday june 17th at five o'clock so we have terrence today and terrence and i have known each other more than 30 years i think we've discovered right yeah it's a while it's a long time um terrence is our display coordinator at bad madge also a visual merchandiser slash visual merchandiser. We just call you our display coordinator, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. And so can you tell our listeners a little bit of your background and what you do at Bad Madge? Sure. First, I forgot to say hello, because that's my favorite <laughs> way to say hello, even though that's not my real voice. Um, and all the things you said opening were so exciting. I wanted to say a lot of things during that, but I let you keep talking. Um, I think... Auschwitzlaven. Auschwitzlaven. Say that because you're going to Amsterdam. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, gosh, you're going to have such a good trip. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And Terrence and I have traveled all over Europe together. We've gone to multiple trips with students from Fashion Careers College, uh -huh. and we did have a lot of fun. And we've been to Spain twice. Twice, and then uh, Italy twice, right? Uh -huh. And Paris twice. Oh. Yeah, Paris. So nice. So we've done a lot of traveling together. So tell everybody what you do besides Bad Match. Well, I mean, I think about Bad Match all the time when I'm not oh. there. But other days, um, oh, gosh, so much time goes by. 30 years I've had World Visual Design Remodel, which okay. I started with Michael Caruba. Okay. And it was all word of mouth, but we have been remodeling... And redesigning homes for 30 years. 30 years. Some of them from in the ground up, and then others are homes that are being fixed, improved, and made custom for the people that live there. And most of the time, that includes the interior and the furnishings, and every little detail down to their sheets and towels and their silverware, and where are they going to put their um, records? Where are they going to put anything? Anything. You guys designed like, the floor they, plan. They, and then they text and say, is it done? <laughs> and can we come home now? And usually we say yes, but a lot of times we say no. You have to say no. Just to 
keep them away a little bit longer or they'll come home and wreck it. Yeah. But um, ultimately, it is for them, so you want them to come home. And they have to pay. Yes. And your background, you have a Bachelor's of Arts, correct? Yep. Where, where did you go to school? I went to the Art Institute of Chicago in the 80s. In the 80s. Okay. I know. It's making me sound old. Yes. And then you've worked for a lot of major companies. Can you tell our listeners some of the companies you worked for? Well, in school, I had all of these dream jobs, work-study jobs that I did not appreciate so much at the time. I worked in the Art Institute of Chicago Museum Shop which was huge production. I had no idea how much money that little shop brings in to support the museum. And I worked at the Museum of Contemporary Art, mm. um, worked with the installation crew, and then I ended up working in their shop as well. Um, it was Those were great jobs because yeah. you didn't even realize, like you'd turn around and like there's Julie Andrews. Or another day all of a sudden I looked up from my desk and Mary Tyler Moore was standing there. She wanted to try on glasses. And she had the biggest teeth I've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, um, nice lady, though. And Very then you've nice worked lady. at some major department stores, too. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of After where you got your college, visual experience. Um, yeah, my first job was at Macy's in San Francisco in Union Square mm -hmm. on the window crew. Okay. And it was so much fun back then because they purposefully hired artistic types to come in and cre be creative. You were encouraged to be creative. Mm -hmm. And we would brainstorm and come up with the most elaborate windows mm -hmm. and themes for the entire store, whether um, they were good or bad or turned out to be disastrous. Tell the story about the um, Thanksgiving. Oh, um, it was called a Harvest Festival. And they brought in this woman who had done the sets for the Robin Hood movie okay. from like 1990. And um, she was really fun. She was kind of you know not kind of she was british so a lot of the people pretended like they couldn't understand her it's like oh come on it's like just listen a little bit and you can understand her she was easy to understand but we took hay and truckloads of vegetables and gourds and pumpkins and live plants and dried plants and covered the entire main floor of the store like all the cosmetic bays and the ledges and the escalator wells with um it looked like the whole store looked like a cornucopia had exploded okay and, and the, this is at the macy's in san francisco, in san francisco in union square so the key to that to get a vegetable or something to stick like we made these armatures out of chicken wire and foam and then we would take a piece of heavy wire poke it through a gourd wire it to the um chicken wire and then just keep going. By the time it was done, you couldn't see the armatures anymore. It just looked like flowing vegetables. Well, it was gorgeous for like four days. <laughs> and then after that, all of a sudden, there were like flies and <laughs> sightings of rodents in the oh, store. Shit. And then every once in a while, a vegetable would just splat onto the carpet oh, and hit the floor. And people were stepping in it and... Like, we thought this display was done, but it was, like, probably the most high-maintenance disaster ever known to retail. Like, every day we were walking around with trash bags. Cleaning stuff up. Shovels. And then there was another whole group that just kept putting in a new gourd and another pumpkin. and Trying to keep up with it. Oh, the poor cosmetic girls and the ladies in handbags. They were furious. There was, like, something dripping down the wall. And, I mean... It was like, oh, it's just a zucchini. But 
needless to say, um, they don't a... do that anymore. No. But the store awnings were even thatched. Oh, like, wow. Like, we learned how to actually make a thatched roof. Oh, wow. And the whole front of the store, I mean, it was really beautiful, but um, they don't do that anymore. No, I'm sure they It was to... just the it's um, too costly, too. fall of yeah. 91. Yeah, it was just too costly. Yeah. And so you worked at Macy's. You've also worked at Saks. Saks. Yeah. I, I, my mother had a Benetton store. Okay. So she was begging me the whole time I was in San Francisco to come down here and help her. Okay. Um, the store wasn't doing well because it's really hard to sell Italian wool clothes in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, anyway, I came down to help her. Um, we closed the store within a year. Mm-hmm. And she still has... All of the stock in the store interior in her garage. I keep begging her to let us have some of it because, I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Bad Madge and buy a brand new Benetton shirt from 1991? That would be amazing to yeah. have some of that, yeah. Uh-huh. It still has the tags yeah. and everything. But, um, so so I came back yeah. down here, helped her, and then I realized um, I needed to kind of get back into work. So I went and worked for Saks of La Jolla mm-hmm. and Mission Valley. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole opposite experience from um, Macy's in San Francisco. I didn't realize till I got there that those two stores weren't doing well. Mm-hmm. Both of those locations closed while I worked for them. Oh, geez. Yeah, not fun. Um, probably my favorite part about Saks, there were a couple stores that were really good, but I'll only tell one. Okay. Um, the last week of the store i mean everybody was really sad like the a lot of the women that worked there had been there for like 30 plus years wow. they were like so, lifetime yeah. shoe salesmen being people that were so good at their job they yeah. knew that they were probably never going to work again yeah the store had all original props and mannequins from the 60s and i wow. dressed the whole window facing gerard like they were going to a funeral they were in black ball gowns. They all had on hats and gloves oh, wow. and then went and bought yards of tooling and just gave them all veils that like went to the floor. I mean, they were sad. It was their last chance to be shown. And I got that all set up and then just sort of disappeared one day at lunch. Um, <laughs> just didn't go back? Yeah. They called me like over and over and over saying, you've got to come and take this window down. But... You know, they weren't giving me a job referral or anything, so I, I left. Yeah. But it was a beautiful window. Yeah. They, you know, they were really sad. Yeah. Well, everybody, I'm sure, was. What was going to happen yeah. to them? I mean, the death of the department store is still kind of happening right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then I worked at Neiman Marcus in Fashion Valley briefly, where I learned that creativity was not appreciated, and um, if you couldn't just follow a directive that had been faxed to you mm-hmm. you were doomed yeah like the last thing i did there i got all the cosmetic girls to smoke cigarettes because they were smoke fiends at the back door all the time <laughs> and use the brightest color lipsticks which they were so happy to do because they liked the testers anyway um smoke dozens of cigarettes and we put it in a huge crystal ashtray in a display case by Fine Jewelry right next to the bottom of the escalators. I think those are called vitrines, right? Correct. Yeah. It locks. Yeah. But um, So they smoked all the cigarettes. They were in this beautiful crystal ashtray. Then I put the Wall Street dur- Journal down first, set the ashtray on top of it, got a coffee cup from Fine China and had one of them sip out of it. So it had the lipstick on that too. So there was just a little coffee residue, some lipstick, the cigarettes with all the ashes... 
and then took a diamond bracelet and just kind of chucked it into the vitrine. It landed partially in the ashtray, partially on the Wall Street Journal. The ashes kind of went up in a puff and then slowly settled on the case. And then I gently wiped it off of the bracelet so it was clear and easy to see. Put in the little Saks Fifth Avenue sign with where you could get each item in store. Locked it up and went to lunch. I love lunch. Lunch is like my favorite. But anyway, um, the whole time my lunch, my pager just kept going off over and over and over. And you just like, ignored it? Well, yeah, I waited. I was having lunch. So when I got back to the store, they were like, you have to change this immediately. And it's like, I just finished it. And... Well, anyhow, um, just, did they you were, just leave it, or just I left uh, it. Yeah, yeah. There were personalities that clashed there. I'm sure really badly. you were too creative for them. Yeah, and they fired me and this other woman that we they hired us both at the very same time because we were graduates of art schools, uh-huh. and they fired us both in the same day. Well, and it was like, oh, great. <laughs> and then after that, I went to work at Metropolis Furniture Store in San Diego, okay, which was a really big store at the time. I remember and, it. Um, yeah. We did all the the displays there. Customers started saying, I'll take all of that. I want the whole setup, the rug, the lamps, the sofas, the tables, the accessories. Because the way you set it up. And then they would be started asking, who set that up? Could they come to my house? And then it just evolved into a business. Mm -hmm. Um, Metropolis is gone. I can't believe all the places I've worked that have closed. Um, Not my fault. It had to do with the economy and the changing times. But, um, yeah, the displays were always fun to do. Working for people in their private homes is fun to do. Yeah. Um, Especially when things go well and people like it. Yeah, that always feels really good. Always good. Yeah. And um, another part of my job that is fun and not fun is that every day I get to shop. Yeah. I'm always out shopping and looking for things for people. And whether or not it's going to be vintage or brand new or custom made, there's so many things that go into every decision. Yeah, and a lot of deciding. Sometimes it's a blast. Other times your eye starts to twitch because you've shown someone <laughs> 23 shades of off-white. They're like, I'm still not happy. (laughs) Then I start repeating the shades of off-white, and then they usually like the first or second one that they were shown. Yeah. But you have to tell them it's a different color. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, uh, snow white, because that just sounds nice. Yeah, it does sound nice. Yeah. So, okay, now we have a little background on you. Thank you for the great stories. That was really long-winded. No, it wasn't. Um, Great stories. I think that's one of the reasons why Terrence and I have been friends is because you tell good stories. And anytime we're around each other, I get to hear a good story. And some of the stories involve both of us. They do. They do. We have some very good stories. So we're going to do our fun facts for vintage (sighs) fanatics before we get to like our main topic that we're going to be talking about today. And uh, maybe Terrence can play with us. I'll and try. And our listeners can play with us. So we each uh, episode we do some kind of little game. And today we're going to talk about our fun facts for vintage fanatics. And I would love to see if you know what the uh, is regarded as the most important piece of mid-century modern is. Do you know what it is? Ding, ding, ding. Do you know what it is? Ding, 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 ding. Because <laughs> we have talked about it, but... Ding, ding, do you ding, know what ding, it ding. Is? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, share with us what it is. It's the silly chair. No, I'm not silly chair. It's the was silly chair. That's what I said. The was silly chair. 
So, have you ever used the Wasilly chair in a design? Yes. Okay. Um, they're still popular. They're, they are. I've had several of them in the they're store. They're really beautiful yeah. chairs. Yeah. Um, depending on your level of comfort that you're expecting from a chair, you may love it or hate it. Yeah. True. Aesthetically, they are phenomenal. Yes. But when I sit in one, my lower back immediately starts to cramp up and oh, my arms hurt. Okay. But um, they're gorgeous. And they're you gorgeous. just put them in a room and they just look fabulous. And They're definitely a centerpiece. Yeah. Yes. So the Wasilly chair uh, was designed by Marcel Brewer. Brewer? Is that how you say it? I think Brower. it's Brower. And he was a Hungarian American architect. And he was really known for his innovative design. Uh, and he used tubular steel. So it's a steel structure and then strips of black leather, typically. Yeah, it's like typically they, black. they bent the steel. Bent the steel. They used uh, a uh, sort of an iconic bicycle frame as an inspiration. I don't know if you know this. So fun. It was designed in 1925. And mid-century modern, you know, there's different, people say different dates, but it started kind of in the 30s. But we tend to think of mid-century modern as more 50s and 60s, but this chair was designed in 1925. I mean, even think of pre-war stuff, yeah. like going back to Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, yeah. That was modern. Kind of that shift from Art Deco or Art Nouveau to more modern. Well, that yeah. would have been so fun to be in that area oh, wow, at that right, time, right, like yeah. pre-war. Yeah, exactly. What a blast. So it's, it does create kind of an ergonomic and comfortable chair, depending on your right. you know, what you're looking for. You can't for. slouch in it. No, you can't. It is very... Very sculptural, and it's a minimal form. And it was also, it was named the Model B3. Oh, fun. Did you know that? Sounds uh -uh. like an airplane or something. It does. Um, but then it got named the Wasilli Chair after uh, an Italian manufacturer who had heard that Wasilli Kandinsky, oh, uh, who yeah. had uh, taught at Bauhaus. Oh, the artist. Uh-huh. And he had admired this chair and was given a prototype, which was handmade for him by oh, Brewer. Lucky. Um, yeah, can you imagine yeah. getting one of those first chairs? Like, then you'd have to beg for a second one. Yeah. Um, I've had, there are knockoffs out there. I actually remember scoring two knockoffs in um, Mission Hills, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. I've had the store now 12 years. They sold fast. They did sell pretty quickly. And he really liked that tubular frame and wanted it to be uh, like the bicycle. And that's really where he kind of created the, the, the style. So that is our uh, fun facts of Vintage Fanatics. Ooh, yes. Ooh, oh, ooh, you're going to add ooh. something? The patent expired on the Wasilly chair because, you know, a lot of time went by. You can still buy that chair from Knoll. Uh-huh think they're based out of New York, but okay. you see their stuff all over. And if you want to go on our website, we're going to put an example so people can see what it looks like, or you can, you know, just use the Google. But there's lots of knockoffs there of is. that design, there like is. even yeah. Z Gallery and other yeah. big names yeah. sort of copied it. So it's a, it's, a, it's a steel frame with black, typically black uh, leather or vinyl, you know, mm -hmm. like a... Something heavy duty, because that's what's holding you up. Exactly. It Personally, I like wood myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's just my style. Um, I Like I said, I've had that style, that chair in, in the store a couple times. So, okay, let's talk about what I really brought you on for, oh. is kind of teaching our listeners, how do people incorporate vintage or antique into their home Maybe they're getting started. Maybe you get hired as a client. You know, the client hires you, and you go in and you see their designs, or they, you see their house and what they maybe currently have. And I know you talk a lot about to me, and, and I'll share this. I'm with nodding listener, yes right now. With with 
you share with me a lot of times people see maybe their grandparents or their their you know their parents furniture and you love it but they hate it yeah serious eye roll yeah like um it is kind of funny how people think that they're sort of almost cursed by what they grew up with or yeah. what they remember and it's like no it's not a curse it's wonderful yes. and embrace it and yes. don't be scared yeah but um yeah we've seen both extremes like okay. people who you come in and their entire house is loaded with antiques or everything they have is brand new um just depends on the personality of people okay but i think that classic good taste is a mixture of both okay i agree if you have some new some old it's not too much of anything mm -hmm. and you can mix it up and be comfortable you tend to be a little bit more eclectic in your design versus trying to be so like you know that whole sort of trend of everything beige and white and i, I personally that is not my aesthetic yeah. i like color thank goodness that sort of seems to be over right is now. it is yeah. it kind of fading it is and Nobody... what, where are we going um to what you were saying, more eclectic, okay. some bolder colors. Um, Mid-century design is definitely huge and mainstream. Um, people like the colors. They like the feeling of warmth when they go home. They and how do you how do you achieve that with the warmth? Well, you can do that a lot with the materials. Mm -hmm. Like if we're building or remodeling a house, like think of the earth elements, mm -hmm. like fire, water, metal, stone, earth. Did you wood, say earth? Yeah. yeah, earth elements in the colors, mm -hmm. but um, like you were saying, you like wood. Yeah, I prefer wood. Wood yeah. is really nice. It instantly warms up a home, whether you have hardwood floors or uh -huh. wood furniture or both, because uh -huh. that's really nice. And then like you can warm up a hardwood floor with a rug. Yeah. It's pretty simple, and there's a chance to add pops of color and pattern. Um, the paint is really an easy thing to do for color. Like we're sitting here in your beautiful kitchen right now, and I'm looking at a gorgeous dark brown wall. Then you turn your head and you look over and it's like tomato soup on the walls on that side. Not literal tomato, tomato soup, <laughs> but it's paint. But it warms up the and room. And you, you helped me pick these Although colors. It was yeah, so much yeah. fun. And you were great because I think we did the, all the color picking in like five minutes. You were <laughs> like, I love that. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And when people are enthusiastic, that makes any job more fun. Yeah, of course. Definitely more fun than beige. Yeah. But then you have calm colors in between everything that yeah. calm it all down and connect the whole house. Yeah. You know, it makes it nice. And poodles. I think, you know, one of my graduates um, teaching at Fashion Careers College, uh, uh, Danielle Nagel, she is known as Danny... Dan Danny D's days days um, I'll, I'll link on our website and she is a maximalist oh and she does all these amazing maximalist design she helped design the Trixie motel oh wow and, wow yeah you've told me yeah and she loves pink and just color I mean the Barbie movies coming out we're smiling right now. everybody's talking about the Barbie movie of course that that bright pink almost magenta is gonna be really hot magenta is the color of this year 2023 cool uh, Pantone came out with that color it was interesting because you know I follow so many other um, accounts like on Instagram and um, office of collecting they did a flat mm. lay and she had a hard time finding that color, that magenta color in vintage, because it wasn't a color that was used a lot in vintage. It's maybe a more modern color. But I think having color is kind of the beginning of how you design things, to me. It's like color is the, th the thing that most people are attracted to, especially in fashion. Oh, yeah. You know, you start with color. Color is going to be the first thing that someone is drawn to. 
And, you know, when you're incorporating color, I think it really helps sort of open up your house, make it more exciting. There's a lot of psychology to color, too. Yeah, there is. There is. Like when people say they hate red, I always want to know why. Why do you hate red? How do you hate red? Yeah. It's like, you do not hate red. Yeah. So maybe they, maybe they don't know how to use red. They try to work through it. Whether yeah. or not they have red in their house, that's a whole other story. Sure. Just don't hate red. Right. I yeah. mean, there's a way to use it, right? Definitely. So say someone is, um, you know, maybe they've bought their first house and maybe they've inherited, let's say they've inherited not only their parents, but maybe some of their grandparents' furniture. If they're lucky. Where do they start? Like, how do they start using these things? Maybe they don't want to keep everything. What would be the pieces that you would recommend to a couple? Maybe they're starting out together. They've just gotten married. They're, they're designing their home. What do you recommend? How do they get started? Well, it would be like, what do you really like out of all of this furniture? Or what are the biggest pieces? Because the biggest pieces are the most expensive to replace. Yeah. So can you give us an example? Or? Like a china cabinet. Okay. Or a grandfather clock. Or some 14-foot bench that they can put in their hallway. Okay. It's like, uh, if we got rid of that bench, what are you going to put there? Right. Like, you know, you're going to go out and spend so much money to replace something that you already have. Right. So let's not do that. Is there a way to um, upgrade it, like maybe new upholstery? Oh, yeah. Or... yeah. Some pillows. Uh, you could refinish it if you needed to. Yeah, okay. Or even put it on the opposite wall or move it to another part of the house, and then all of a sudden it has new life. Yeah, and it looks new all of a it sudden. It looks new. And, you know, vintage and antique furniture is not cheap. No, it's not. And it's made so much better. Um, a lot of it is is—it's definitely solid. That's why it's still around. Right. Which is really fun. And it's always a joy to educate people that some of the things they have are actually much older than what they thought they had. Oh, okay. um, we've had people that had early American antiques that they thought were like from Ethan Allen. And it's like, <laughs> no, this is actually a handmade bench. You flip it over and look on the bottom. It's like, look, it was signed 1798 wow. by a furniture maker in London. Wow. And here it is in your house in Rancho Bernardo, and I think you're keeping this. Yes. And then all of a sudden they have respect for it because yeah. somebody told them this was a good piece. Yeah, they need some education. That, they were calling Goodwill. And it's like, you can't give that to Goodwill. Yeah. You just can't. Although sometimes you can find things like that at Goodwill. Yeah. And it's better at least it goes there and right. then it ends up with a designer, another picker, or somebody's finding it and adding it to their home rather than getting it thrown away. And I'm sure you've experienced that where people oh. just throw stuff away. Oh. I've seen it and it breaks my heart. Yeah, I heard you. I don't know if it was the first or second podcast. Mm -hmm. You told a story about going to the dump and mm -hmm. wanting to just run around and collect things. <laughs> um, I've been at the dump before yeah. taking, I probably go two or three times a year. Okay. Just because we're at some job site and there is a tremendous amount of debris and the fastest way to get rid of it is to just go get a huge truck and get everyone to load it and then dump it. Yeah. We've been at the Miramar landfill and turned around and seen like brass floor lamps that are just standing there with the shades on them. And it's you can't like, take them, can you? You can't take them. I've tried. They stop you on the way out. That's why on the way out you have to slow down. And they look at you. They look at your car. They look in the back. Um, I don't know why you can't take things. It's amazing why they wouldn't let people actually take stuff. Years ago you could. Yeah. But no, um, maybe somebody maybe cut themselves. Or, or something. You can know. get in trouble for picking up trash nowadays. It's, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, you just have to... 
not do it and yeah. not get in trouble. Or at least donate it. It's heartbreaking yeah. to see stuff wasted. Yeah, it is. And especially really good design pieces that you know you could incorporate into someone's home. Maybe they're buying a new sofa, but they have a beautiful china cabinet or a credenza that's vintage or antique that you can incorporate with that new sofa. And everything's so expensive now. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're buying. If you want to buy something of quality, it's expensive. Yeah. And even rich people are shocked by how much they could spend on a lamp. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'd never spend that on a lamp. And it's like, okay, well... Good luck. I don't know where you're going to find a lamp. You can yeah. just enjoy reading in your dark drawing room. Yes. Let me know how that all turns out. Well, we were just talking about lampshades. I have this really great sort of blue and white mosaic lamp. I love the lamp. It doesn't have a shade. It's a cool Jetsons lamp. It's a Jetsons lamp for sure. It's, it's, it's a really nice piece. Yet it doesn't have a shade. And we were discussing, like, where do I get a shade? And, you know, I we have Lampshades Unlimited right here in San Diego. This is a great store. They really are. And the owner is such a nice person. I love her. She's really nice. I can't think of her name. Can Amber? You, is it, oh, it is Amber. Amber. It is Amber. Um, she bought it from Which the, is a really nice color, too. Yeah. <laughs> she bought it from the original owners. She was an employee from, with them. And she bought, bought oh. it with her husband. And I got a little bit of her story when we did San Diego Vintage Crawl. And she, you know, bought the company, took over, and has really done a good job with it, I think. She's really kind of upgraded it and up... Uh, it's a fun store It really now. is. It's she has a, a lot of... place to get lampshades or have a lamp repair. Yeah, they really have actually a really nice selection of lamps and all varieties of styles, you know, from chinoserie, kind of Asian, to very mid-century modern, you know... 70s. Yeah, they have pretty much everything. It's a great place to buy lamps. It's fun. It's like a lamp museum. It, it kind of is. Yeah. And then they have the whole section of lampshades. And they do lampshade repairs, don't they? And lamp repairs. Yeah, they yeah. do. They'll fix, they'll replace your cord, they'll put a new switch on the lamp. Yeah. They'll help you with anything. Which is, you know, that's a kind of a dying art. So that's a good place to know. So it's called Lampshades Unlimited. They're on the, in the Marina District. And uh, yeah, you want to be sure you don't get electrocuted when you plug in your vintage Yeah, especially lamp. the older ones when the cords get really deteriorated. So I'm going to pop by there. You know, we were thinking somewhere probably between $70 and $100 is going to be a lampshade. Good lampshades are yeah, expensive. Yeah. They're, not, the they're not cheap. The bigger the shade, the more they're going to cost. Yeah. So if you need a new lamp or lampshade, that's a place to start. And I think lamps sort of bring the whole design together when you're fine, you know, finessing a space. A good lamp really, I know you love lamps. There's nothing more beautiful than good lighting. And you just brought a really great lamp into the store. Yeah, it's killing me because I really want to keep it, but I have too many lamps. <laughs> but if no one buys it, I'll be more than happy to take it home. Yeah. And then I don't know what I'll do. I'll have to rotate 20 things to incorporate this lamp into my um, yeah. TV room. So describe your own aesthetic in your own home. Like, how would you describe your aesthetic? Well, in a small phrase, I'd have to say someone died. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much where I got someone all of my things. Died. I can walk around the house and point, and it belonged to this person or that person yeah. or aunt or grandma. Uh, came from this house or that house. This has been in storage for 30 years. You know, it was a surprise. We didn't even know we had it. And the boxes were mislabeled. Yeah. And you open it, and it's not telephone books and rotary phones. It's a lamp. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I love old things. Um, old things have soul and they character. Do. And I agree. It's like having good roommates or a pet almost when there's, mm -hmm. like, antiques around because of all the personality they bring. And I think I when I see your eyes light up, 
when something comes into the store and you know your job is really unique because you basically touch every single thing that comes into the store i wash my hands a lot you wash your hands a lot and you put those items in a way that tells a story yeah yeah definitely you do um, I almost call it visual anthropology. Yeah. Oh, that's because a good way to you're, put it. It's, you know, you go in, you look at all these things and try to figure out how do they relate, how do yeah. they go together, um, what makes sense. So groupings are really important. Yeah. Um, We're kind of like a small department store. Absolutely. That's kind of how we've approached it. Like our kitchen things, or we have a kitchen section. Yeah. It makes it easier for customers. Um, yesterday, we worked really hard to create a book area again. Yes books get really popular and then all of a sudden we don't have any because they all sold but yeah. we have a nice library again yeah a whole record section uh not so much linens but there's a lot of pillows yeah and i can't believe how many blankets and afghans actually sell at we the sell store. a ton of them um i know we're going into summer so maybe everybody was just getting ready for the next cold spell but i don't know it's so weird how that works right you went from having 20 afghans to two yeah and i think art is a big part of like you guys really think i say you guys uh brian um musial he's our other visual merchandiser works uh together with terrence and so yesterday was a full floor set we did it a sure full was. floor set and, meaning, and lunch and so explain that like what is a floor set oh well the only way to really rearrange the store, because a store is more difficult than a house. Yeah. A house, it's like each room is one room. Right. At the store, the whole store is like a great big house all put into one room. Yes. So um, we basically come in early that morning, find a radio station that everybody agrees on, <laughs> turn up the music just a little louder than maybe it should be, and then... Set up folding tables outside. We have to empty all of our surfaces. It's a lot of work just taking everything outside. And then we set it up on folding tables so that people walking up and down the street will shop. Yeah, It's fun to watch. They stop. They sit there. They look. Um, Most of the time they end up coming right into the store because they're like, very excited what, what they're seeing outside. It's and, like it's um, almost like bees working. You yeah, know, you know, but a lot of buzzing going on in the store, and there's a lot of energy, and people are kind of watching how you're transforming the store, and you're physically moving a lot of the bigger pieces to give yeah. it a whole new fresh feel. That's why we have to take all the little things, all the oh, smalls yeah. away, yeah, and then still keep them grouped outside so that when we go to put everything back, it's not a terrible amount of work. Yeah. It's still a lot, but um, it just keeps it us more organized. A little more organized, yeah. And then we can start rearranging the floor, and we usually start with the window, and then do the middle of the store, and then kind of rotate things around, and then it's exciting to see what you bring in, because there's always something new coming in, mm-hmm. or we wouldn't be changing the store. Right, or if something's sold, and we have a hole... And we've got to bring something in. So, uh, Like everybody should have seen the store yesterday. Yes. We finished it. It was beautiful. We went home. <laughs> and it's not upsetting. It's good. The main chair that we that did I the whole in. center around is gone. It sold after we closed. Right. Which is fine. That's because what Because I posted for. it on Instagram. So if you don't already follow our Instagram, uh, our listeners, please follow our Instagram and it's a good way to see the new things that come in. So I'll post them typically on our stories. And then if the item is there a week or more, I'll put it on the feed. So we posted this beautiful chair. 
It was a Danish modern chair, teak and leather, uh, like a navy blue leather. And it's it, almost like a wood version of the Wasilla. It really was, actually. A, a it is. Variation. Absolutely. That's actually a, a good point. Kind of floats. It kind of floats. And uh, one of our really good customers, Rodney. Rockin' Rodney. Rockin' Rodney and his wife uh, saw it on Instagram, on her stories. And then they came by and they looked at it. <laughs> and then they went to dinner at the station across the street. And I guess they were sitting over there having their dinner. And they then, probably could barely eat. He said he they could not sweating. stop thinking. He literally could yeah. not stop stop thinking about oh, it poor and so then he called me a few minutes before we were closing and i put it on hold for him well they literally could not wait as we were about to leave i hear this knock on the door and we've already closed the store and he's begging to come in and give me his money oh. <laughs> i love that so he bought the chair so the chair wasn't even in the store full day literally no, it was in the store for four five, or five hours five, at five the hours most. And that happens, you know, on occasion. Um, and then we also sold a large high boy yesterday. So that moved. So always things are changing and shifting. I love when customers come in and say, oh, my gosh, it looks like a different store. We are not a musty antique shop. We, You know, it's it's my my goal is to keep things moving and keep new, fresh things coming in. So sometimes people think of antique shop and they're like, oh, it's the same stuff over and over again. Oh, no, no, no. we don't do that. We keep everything fresh. If things are there too long, it leaves. Yeah, it has to either be, you know. It goes back to the consigner. Yeah, or marked down yeah. or, yeah, donated or whatever because we don't want the same items to be in the store. I mean, that's boring for people that work yeah. in the store and you have a lot of repeat customers. Yes. And they want to see new things. Yes. Yeah. So as we're about to wrap up our little podcast today, how would people reach out to you? If somebody wanted to hire you for your services, Terrence, how would they do that? Is there a way for them to reach out to you? You want to give your phone number? Do you? Well, we have a website, but okay. I don't know how to access it. <laughs> Who um, does that, Michael or someone else? I don't know. There's a password. Okay. Anyway, um, we have a Facebook um what is that called? Account? Yeah. Facebook page. Yeah. Which is World so Visual Design Remodel. I still World look Visual at that. World Visual Design, Design Remodel. Remodel. Okay. And then our email, which I know is by heart now. It's the same thing. It's World Visual Design. Wait. No. It's WV Design Remodel. We had to abbreviate the World Visual to WV Design Remodel at Gmail. Dot com. Gmail. Gmail. Gmail.com. Gmail.com. So if um, somebody wanted to reach out to you and hire you and Michael for your services. Right. And you do all levels of design and remodel, mm -hmm. basically. We have an Instagram account, too, but um, it's a little slow because I have to take the pictures and mm -hmm. make the post. And You're very busy, though. I forget to take the pictures. So many times we complete a gorgeous home and everyone's so happy and we walk away and it's like, oh, I forgot to take pictures. Did you take pictures? And it's like, no. But so it's sometimes okay. we go back, like we've done a few houses several times over the years. So then I take before pictures and then we get some after pictures. Yeah, that's always good. And then, like, and you work a lot in North County in San Diego, uh -huh. right? But you have clients kind of all over the county. All but, over. But a lot in North County. Yeah. Encinitas, Carlsbad, that kind of thing. There's some right? really big houses up there that need a lot of um, updating. Yes. Okay, well, thank you for being with us today. Um, and thank you for our listeners for joining us. Are you going to have the theme music at the closing? Yes, um, Brian will be adding that. Okay, our, well, our 
During the theme music, just remember that we're dancing. Okay. So we'll be dancing. We like yeah. to dance a lot. So this was our third episode of Vintage Picking with Bad Match. So thank you for joining us. And um, the next episode will be Thursday, June 15th. And please make sure you follow and, and hit that like button We and subscribe. Don't forget yeah, to subscribe. Yeah, come into the store. It's a really and fun store. And come into store. the store. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, if you would like to send me an email for any kind of questions or comments, we would be happy if you did that. It's badmadgepodcast at gmail, gmail. at gmail.com. I like that. I'm going to start using that. And we hope you'll uh, follow us and you know make sure you st- stick with us and subscribe. Thank you, Terrence, for being with us this week for our podcast. And thank you to our listeners. We'll see you again. Bye. Bye.